The following is a hoop bowl presentation. Ladies and gentlemen, can you feel it? Can you feel the start of the regular season? It's approaching. I'm way too excited about this upcoming Lakers season, and ladies and gentlemen of the Hoopball Lakers family, you should be excited too. I'm your host for this solo episode of Hoopball Lakers. My name is JC DeLeon. Ethan and I will be recording together on the next episode, and we'll be recording a little bit more regularly once the regular season does start here as of this recording in a little over 24 hours from now. And man, I am way too excited about this season. This season promises to be, if nothing else, the most intriguing Lakers season in recent memory. Now, given that the Lakers won a championship just a little over a year ago, and have since played an entire season since then. It seems as though the Lakers have kind of squished this being the third season in a little over a year. It's it's, it's weird math and weird things that COVID has done to the calendar for everyone involved, and this Lakers roster is no exception. Now, as fans, obviously, we were happy with the championship in 2020, and in 2021, the subtle reshaping of the roster in basically letting go of Danny Green in, in favor of Dennis Schroeder, it didn't work out. It didn't work out like people thought it would. It, I mean, we'll call it what it was. It was disappointing. Dennis Schroeder, he showed flashes of brilliance, and he showed flashes of being able to be a great scorer and being able to run the offense in with the second unit. He just didn't want to play with the second unit. And we've gone over that time and time again, but I think the most telling stat came during a preseason highlight uh, that illustrates Dennis Schroeder's failures with this team. There was a preseason game in which our beloved Rajon Rondo had made his return to the Lakers roster. And in one preseason game, in one quarter, actually, managed to throw two alley-oops off pick-and-rolls to Anthony Davis. And the announcer at the time pointed out that, uh, or it might have been somebody on Twitter, maybe Trevor Lane, someone pointed out somewhere that um, those two alley-oops were more than the number of alley-oops Dennis Schroeder threw to Anthony Davis all last season by the number of two. Yeah, that means Dennis Schroeder didn't throw a single alley-oop off of a pick-and-roll to Anthony Davis in all of last season, which seems astounding. Astounding that as good of a pick-and-roll player as Anthony Davis is, Dennis Schroeder somehow couldn't make, make it work. And in a preseason game in one quarter, Rondo did it twice at his age. But Rondo's... That's why we love him. But yeah, if you haven't been listening to any of the previous episodes in the preseason or in the offseason leading up to the preseason. And if you're a basketball fan who has been living under a rock, I guess you don't know that the Lakers roster has been vastly reshaped. Now, the subtle reshaping last year that we talked about at Dennis Schroeder for Danny Green didn't work out, but there were still pieces that we liked about this team. 
We liked liked KCP. KCP had a really great shooting year last year. He's great on defense. We didn't quite know what was going to what could be made of Kyle Kuzma, but he did show, you know, instances of him wanting to really be a contributor with this team. He increased his rebounding, had some good defensive um, nights with the second unit. A bunch of pieces with this team that we. You know, Ethan and I going into the season didn't think there would need to be a huge restructuring of the roster. We knew that Dennis Schroeder did have to go because at the number he was alleging to have wanted, four years, $85 million, so that's what the Lakers offered him, and he turned it down if he wanted more than that. His production, especially his lackluster play in the first round of the playoffs, just didn't warrant bringing him back, even if he did occasionally show flashes of brilliance. Now, the Lakers were all set to make a trade of Kyle Kuzma, Montrez Harrell, KCP to Sacramento for Buddy Heald, which a lot of people were, were waiting for. I'm of the belief that had the Buddy tra- Heald trade gone through, there would have been just enough money left over to lure a DeMar DeRozan, which was kind of my dream roster. DeMar DeRozan, I said all last season, was going to come to the Lakers. He's made it clear even before... Today's recording, a, a interview that he did with Draymond Green on his podcast, he said that he wanted to come to L.A. It's his desire to come to L.A. I have no doubt at some point before his career is over, he will be a Los Angeles Laker. And I thought it was going to be this season. And so did he. And, yeah, I'm of the belief that had the Buddy Hill trade gone through, this would be a Lakers team that would consist of Buddy Hill, DeMar DeRozan. I, I still think Carmelo Anthony would have, would have, would have come. Dwight Howard, Rajon Rondo. I don't know if any of the other pieces that ended up coming would have come. But what ended up happening at the last minute was was Russell Westbrook was made available. Now, on the surface, you can look at Russell Westbrook and find a lot of negatives. I certainly did. I, I've not been a big Russell Westbrook fan Throughout his career, I don't like the inefficiency. I don't like the sort of unnecessary intensity that he plays with. It just seems to me like it it shifts his focus. Despite the fact that he puts up great numbers, a lot of people are capable of putting up great numbers. And so because of that, I was just never really taken with Russell Westbrook. But... You know, being that I have to, you know, kind of adjust to it and and live with it because he's now a Los Angeles Laker and and LeBron seemed to have wanted him. One thing I've noticed about Russell Westbrook this preseason in interviews, social media posts, that dude seems happy. And he's never in his entire, entire career seemed like a happy guy to me which is also kind of one of my issues with him, is he doesn't seem like a very happy guy. Why would I root for a player who doesn't seem to have any joy in his life whatsoever, which is kind of why I'm more and more rooting against Kevin Durant, even though he went to the Texas Longhorns, which is the city I live in. Russell Westbrook, yeah, lately, he's he's joking with reporters, he's laughing, smiling a lot more. Uh, The Lakers tend to put out a lot of highlights of their practices on YouTube and on their Instagram. And, yeah, he just seems like a guy who's enjoying basketball. 
And so, yeah, um, because of that, I'm rooting for him. I'm coming around on him. He will talk about his shooting numbers from the preseason. And that's a good segue into the preseason, actually. So a lot can be made of the fact that the Lakers went 0-6 in the preseason. Preseason doesn't really matter, even though the fact that the last time the Lakers went winless in a preseason, it was a pretty disastrous season, that first Dwight Howard season with uh, Steve Nash. And that was kind of kind of the beginning of the end of Kobe's career is where he was still putting up numbers, but he was beginning to shoot more and more inefficiently. The Lakers just didn't have that playoff magic anymore. And some people think the catalyst of it was the winless preseason, which the Lakers just had. But this team is built for the playoffs, and this team has the roster flexibility to you know, kind of stash some of the older vets a little bit. It's a little hard with the injuries that they have going on right now, which we'll talk about in a few minutes. But, yeah, this preseason, despite the six losses and being 0 for 6, had some really decent highlights. Uh, one of the most vaunted things that people want to talk about is how this roster was, re- was restructured to include a lot better three-point shooting. And, yeah, judging from the from the preseason, there are some numbers that are concerning, but super small sample size. LeBron James and Anthony Davis. Anthony Davis is shooting more and more threes, and, and it just doesn't seem like he's getting any better at it. And, you know, if he's, I feel like if he's going to shoot just a handful a game, that might be okay. He certainly is the type of player who has the the will and the fortitude to make a three when they really, really need it, if he has to shoot it. But both him and LeBron James shot 25% from three in the preseason. And that was at, you know, LeBron played three games, but he did play 24 minutes a game. Averaged 18.7 points, five rebounds, five assists. He was getting his numbers, but he just wasn't, Shooting very efficiently. And Anthony Davis was playing really well. Playing 25 minutes. Would play mostly the first half. He's looked like he's bulked up this offseason. So he looks like he might be a little bit more durable. He stated he did that for the purpose of being more healthy. But there just wasn't enough to in the preseason to see what kind of season you're going to get from those two. But you don't really need to see their numbers in the preseason. They're not really who your focus is going to be on. We can take a look at Russell Westbrook's numbers. Now he, another one of Russell Westbrook's downfalls is he kind of turns the ball over a lot. And he was averaging six turnovers a game in his four four preseason games. He was playing about 25 minutes a game, only scoring nine and a half points, but he wasn't really looking to score. And he was grabbing about five and a half rebounds and five assists per game. He was getting a steal, so his aggressiveness on defense is there. Shot pretty horrendously. Shot 35% overall. However, did shoot 36.4% from three. Now, I did see one tweet, and the general consensus around the league was that if Russell Westbrook can somehow manage to become a 35% or better three-point shooter, then it's pretty much over. This team is going to be deadly because of how many other other three-point weapons they have. And it's nice that Russell Westbrook shot 36% from three, putting out 2.8 threes a game, making, you know, one. But 
If he's also going to shoot 35% overall from the field, well, then there's an issue. And so he might need to focus more on being a facilitator, being that rebounder. But, you know, if he... One thing about Russell Westbrook, in comparison to Dennis Schroeder, let's say. What kind of brought Ethan and I around is as we talked about it, we did kind of come to the realization that what Dennis Schroeder does, what he's good at, Russell Westbrook does do a little better. And so, if anything, it's an upgrade in intensity, it's an upgrade in rebounding, it's an upgrade in passing ability from what Dennis Schroeder was able to bring. And the thing that Dennis Schroeder did best was score. And I don't think that this Lakers team really needs Russell Westbrook to be the kind of scorer that he was before. He does need to be that same rebounder that he's been his entire career. He does need to be that same assist man he's been his entire career. Same for steals. I just don't think his focus needs to be on scoring. He could be Draymond Green in the backcourt. But again, small sample size with Russell Westbrook and what he was able to do in the preseason. And, you know, the team's focus was not really on his productivity or Anthony Davis's or, uh, or LeBron James's. Uh, the other big big name addition, as far as uh, a player who people were really excited to see, uh, Carmelo Anthony, big fan favorite, obviously a, a living legend just like LeBron, grew up with him, people are finally excited to see him play alongside LeBron, and he had a fantastic preseason. Now, although he shot 40% overall from the field, from mid-range, I mean, that's that's fine if he's going to shoot mid-range. He, he pulled up mid-range a lot. He put up 11 points a game in 19 minutes in the preseason. If And you got to imagine that his, his production is only going to increase once the regular season starts. And so if he's going to give you 20 minutes a game, and if he's going to score 12, 12 to 14 points a game, he's averaged 11.4 in the preseason. While grabbing a few rebounds, most importantly, shooting a great percentage from three, he shot 43.5% from three. Dude was lights out from three-pointer this this preseason. If that's what he's going to give you, 20 minutes, 12 to 14 points, two to three three three-point shots a game, three, four rebounds, I mean, that's... That's that's outstanding production from, Carm- from Carmelo Anthony. And so I was really happy with the preseason that he had. Um, remains to be seen whether or not he's going to start. With the injuries the Lakers have, I do believe he will start. I think he's going to be a more effective piece coming off of the bench. But, yeah, out of necessity, he may he might be starting. Ironically enough, the best three-point shooter in the, pre- in the Lakers preseason was Rajon Rondo. Rajon played 16 minutes a game, scored, put up three points a game, didn't score very much, grabbed a lot of rebounds in those 16 minutes. Four rebounds, three assists, just doing what he does. He understands this offense. He runs the pick and, ro- pick and roll with Anthony Davis extremely well. He, as the coach on the floor, is invaluable. 
he's going to be, I bet, my prediction for him this season is he's not going to have a very impressive stat line, Rajon Rondo, but he's going to have a very high plus minus. Because when he was on the floor, the Lakers were executing very well. And yeah, he did shoot 57% from three in preseason, but that's that's not sustainable. So some of the other pieces that did impress. Uh, Malik Monk was one of the uh, surprising additions. People didn't necessarily have him on their radar when the Lakers signed him. And although he is a little injured right now, he's probably going to miss the first couple of games. But in 21 minutes a game, he did put in 12 points per game, shot 47% from three. He's a super athletic wing. He can play pretty good defense. Shot over 50% from the field. So basically had a 50-40-90 preseason. Well, he didn't shoot any free throws. But we'll assume he's a 90% free throw shooter. Why not? <laughs> but yeah, he. if him and Russell Westbrook start together, together they might make the most athletic backcourt in the league. And that would be really exciting to see. We might have to wait a little bit longer for that. We might also have to wait a little bit longer for one of our favorites, Taylor Horton Tucker. Taylor Horton Tucker played about 23 minutes a game, put up 12 points, shot 36% from three, grabbed about three rebounds a game, two assists, did a little bit of everything. This We predicted a breakout year for Taylor Horton Tucker last year. Last year's roster, while deep was also weirdly constructed in that you had two players that are extremely talented, Taylor Horton Tucker and Kyle Kuzma that you just couldn't find a place for. You know, Taylor THT had the really great preseason last year when people thought he was going to have a breakout year last year. He didn't seem to find a place to make himself fit in the roster. Same with Kyle Kuzma. But when it came time for the Russell Westbrook trade, Kyle Kuzma is a little older than Taylor Horton Tucker. And I feel like him being a guard, he's a little more he's a little easier to, to find a place for, you know. Plus the thing with Kyle Kuzma, as much as we love him. I believe it was the Rockets GM I've heard in an interview say that by the time a player reaches his third or fourth year, that's basically who he's going to be in his career. And at this point in Kyle Kuzma's career, we just we don't know what he is yet. And that's it's beyond the point where that's no good. When we didn't know what he was going to be, it was excusable for him to learn, to find his place, to learn where he fit. But you've got to find a fit before year four. And he just didn't. And he... I don't have a stat line in front of me, but I know that he didn't have a very great preseason in Washington. Uh, but Taylor Horton Tucker, unfortunately, is going to be gone for the first part of the season as well. He has got, I believe, a sprained ankle. And it's going to take some time for him to come back. Uh, one of the other pieces that people were surprised to see, Kendrick Nunn, uh, is one of my favorite signings. 
because it's it's one that nobody really predicted. And once it happened, it 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 kind of makes sense. I don't really know where he might fit in, especially well. I mean, if Rondo is going to be our the vet that plays the least amount of minutes, then I could sort of see where Kendrick Nunn will fit in. He played about twenty three minutes a game, and scored about nine points a game, but in Miami, whenever Goran Dragic was out, Kendrick Nunn played really well for Miami. He's capable of being. A 20, 30 point scorer if he has no other other you know players at his disposal. But he can kind of do it all. And he didn't have a very great shooting preseason, but that injury that he suffered might explain part of that. But I'm excited to see what he's gonna bring to this team this year. Um we'll talk about the bigs here in a little bit. Uh Wayne Ellington. Didn't see a lot from him this preseason, so I don't really have a prediction for him. He's also injured. Probably going to see a little bit. Um, probably won't see him for the first couple of games this season. Kent Bazemore. I want to talk about Kent Bazemore for a little bit. The thing about Kent Bazemore is he has been lumped into a lot of the jokes about the Lakers being old this season. Um, he's sort of been lumped into, he's, he's been lumped into that, but he's not really that old. He's 32 years old, but as far back as 2018, 2019 season. So just two years, this guy was the man in Atlanta before Atlanta, Atlanta decided to rebuild with Trey Young. Kent Bazemore was one of their go-to guys. His peak season, he averaged 13 points a game, shot 40% from three. This was in 2017, 2018, so three years ago. But this is what he's capable of. 13 points a game, 40% three-point shooter. Can grab about four rebounds, give you four assists, can give you almost two steals a game. His highlight and his asset to this Lakers team is going to be his defense. And after his time in Atlanta, he was sort of the old KG vet on Portland for some reason because in the back, with the backcourt of Damian Lillard, CJ McCollum, yeah, there's not really going to be a place for Kent Bazemore. And same for he went to Sacramento. Sacramento kind of seems to be the place where people end their careers. And he was just wasn't a fit there because he was way too he was way too good for that. And then he played a year last season in Golden State. And in Golden State he sort of faced the same thing. He was he was given the KG vet role at thirty one years old. He just that wasn't the place for him. That was Golden State was a team that wasn't utilizing him to his potential. And this Lakers team, I believe, is a team that can utilize him to his potential. He will basically be able to play the KCP role. And I believe he's a better defender than KCP. KCP is an outstanding defender. Bazemore, I think, is better. KCP is a streaky shooter. He's capable of shooting 38 to 40% for a season, but can he do it? Kent Bazemore can, because he has. He's done it almost three times in his career. 
And so Kim Bazemore, I think, is going to be one of the more surprising signings that people overlooked. And they're lumping him into the jokes about the roster being old, which, incidentally, as old as this roster is, the only injuries that this roster is suffering is some of the younger guys. Wayne Ellington, Kendrick Nunn, THT, Malik Monk. The KG vets are pretty healthy for this for this Lakers team. We can move on to the bigs. It looks as though, even though Dwight was a would come off the bench in the championship championship season, and Javale would be the starting five. Javale would end up not playing the most amount of minutes. Dwight would kind of end up playing more minutes while he came off the bench, and he seemed to really enjoy being that role. And even then, even though Dwight was starting, him and DeAndre were only averaging about 15 to 18 minutes a game. Dwight was putting up nine points, grabbing six rebounds, uh, blocking a lot of shots, blocking 1.2 shots in his 15 minutes. Just kind of being that, you know, rabble rouser that he's he's sort of become in, in this stage of his career. So I do think Dwight Howard is going to start only because the other alternative is DeAndre Jordan. DeAndre Jordan, although younger, doesn't have the legendary career that Dwight has. DeAndre does seem to be excited about his role of being, you know, just a big who's there to rebound and catch lobs. And... You know, I know Ethan and I have talked about how how you can be a seven footer and not grab any rebounds, but he's grabbing rebounds this this preseason. DeAndre Jordan was averaging almost eight rebounds in eighteen minutes, and so if he gets a little bit more rebound, more time, his rebounding will be there. But I don't think the Lakers the Lakers are going to place as much emphasis on that position like they did last season. Last season they sort of felt trapped into trying to give Andre Drummond the minutes that either he felt he deserved because he was a buyout candidate. I don't know. And Marc Gasol, as much as people liked him and as much as people liked how the team played defense with him, with the addition of Russell Westbrook, Malik Monk, Taylor Horton Tucker is going to play more minutes, Kent Bazemore, this is a, a faster team. And there was simply going to be no place for Marcus Hull on a faster team. I don't know how else to say that. <laughs> I don't know how, how more clearly to say that for people who are bummed about how the Lakers allegedly mistreated Marcus Hull. I never saw the fit. I never liked the signing. He's a great player. He is at the end of his career. He's just... I didn't think he was a great fit. Now, I don't know about Ethan. He, he and I haven't talked about this This next thing I'm going to bring up. Um, I will try very hard not to talk very much about my sadness over the loss of our guy Caruso, Alex Caruso. Had a fantastic preseason in Chicago. Looks like he got in a little bit better shape. He seems to have embraced the uh, balding look and just kind of shaved his head completely. Dude balled out this preseason. Really sad to see him go. I hope he hope he plays really well for Chicago. Um, I've been really happy to see, you know, Bulls fans hitting me up on Twitter or Bulls fans and you know in general on Twitter just saying, "Wow, you guys weren't kidding." 
He's really good. We thought you guys were just joking. I, I don't know. I don't know why people didn't think Lakers fans were serious about their enthusiasm for Alex Caruso. He's a genuinely good player. Bulls fans are starting to see that. Hopefully, the rest of the league's fans will start to see that too. Um, but his his sort of semi replacement, only because they're both white. Let's be honest. <laughs> is Austin Reeves. Austin Reeves from Oklahoma comes with the nickname Hillbilly Kobe. He's he's probably not going to play a ton of minutes, but he does seem to be somebody who plays hard. He's just he's just a hooper. That's that's what you want in in that kind of a role. You you need someone to play some minutes. Give him to the, give him to the hooper. And you know Austin Reeves, he did shoot thirty four and a half percent from three, but he's got a really good looking shot. Just hustled all around, played about 22 minutes, scored seven and a half points when they never really called any plays for him. And he played a couple of minutes with LeBron. LeBron seems to seems to like the effort he puts out on the floor. And so, you know, that's really enough for me to be excited for this kid. There's been some of the same type of enthusiasm for him anytime he does something. Let's not put him in Alex Caruso's league quite yet. But I am excited to see what we're going to see out of uh, Austin Reeves. I'm going to close out this solo episode with my predictions on how the playoff seating might go based on last year's results. Now, I this is mostly just going to be me kind of guessing Simply because there's just a lot of unknowns, especially out in the East, looking at you, Philly and Brooklyn. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, there's just some questions I, I, you know, some teams I'm not as familiar with. But, um, yeah, it'll be a fun little exercise. So let's take a look over at the East real quick. So the East finished Philadelphia, Brooklyn, Milwaukee, New York, Atlanta, Miami, Boston, and Washington. So, who do I think is going to be out, and who do I think is going to be in? Well, the Bulls finished 11th. And I'll tell you right now, the Bulls are a very good team. I did watch some of the preseason games with them. Lonzo Lonzo has improved his three-point shot, not just statistically. Physically, it just it looks more like a regular jump shot. He's a genuine jump shooter now. And he's gonna he's gonna play really well. He continues to be a super smart player. I wish I kind of wish the Lakers had brought him back. Uh, but so the Bulls at the 11 seed are gonna end up somewhere in the playoffs. I'm telling you that right now. I do think the Knicks are gonna fall because I don't believe in Kemba Walker really. And I, th- I feel like last season was an aberration. Uh, Milwaukee's going to win the East, without doubt. Giannis seems to have improved his jump shooter, jump shot, which is, damn. <laughs> it's, it's, almost like, it's, um, it's almost done for the rest of the league. If, if, if Giannis has become a genuine jump shooter, if he's going to be a 35 to 38% three-point shooter, if Duke can just walk up and pull up and hit threes like he's been doing in the preseason, it's over. Milwaukee's going to win the East. Um, Philadelphia has questions, obviously. Are they going to trade Ben Simmons? Are they not? At this point, it seems as though Ben Simmons has caved. 
And given his behavior in the offseason, given how last season for him ended, I just don't see the I just don't see the Sixers finding a willing trade partner. And so they're gonna have to find some way to make it work, and I just don't think I don't think they will. And I don't think it will work. And so Philly will make the playoffs. Joel and B is gonna have a really great year. I just don't know where else where they'll finish. They they might finish anywhere between three and five. Brooklyn. Brooklyn's got questions too. Well, they've sort of made their decision on their questions. Uh, Kyrie Irving will not be welcomed back on the team until either New York changes its vaccination law or Kyrie gets vaccinated himself. Whether he should or shouldn't, we're going to talk about that on the show, but he seems to have made his decision, and so has Brooklyn. Kevin Durant and James Harden seem to have accepted that Kyrie is not going to be a part of this Brooklyn Nets team. And so looking at the Nets roster beyond Kevin Durant and James Harden, it's not as impressive as it might seem on paper. And James Harden, you don't know how how he's going to adjust yet to the new rules that um, don't allow, you know, unnatural shooting to lead to free throws. So it remains to be seen how James Harden's going to adjust to that. And so Brooklyn... I believe we'll finish between two and five as well. Uh, Atlanta. Atlanta was number five last season. Trey Young had an amazing playoff run last year. I think Atlanta will go up. I think Atlanta is good. They finished at five last season. I think they'll finish between two and four this season. Miami. Miami's an interesting team. They're sort of um, remind you of the Grindhouse Memphis Grizzlies. They added both P.J. Tucker and Markeith Morris. And those two guys are just going to come off the bench like the Bash Brothers and Mighty Ducks too. They are not capable of doing a whole lot offensively, but they're going to play really great defense. This Miami team is going to be... They're not going to be fun to watch for a lot of te- for a lot of fans. They're not going to be very good offensively. They're going to be really good defensively. I think that's going to put them somewhere between two and five. I don't think Boston is really going to make much of an improvement despite the fact that they might be healthier. I, I just don't see Boston. They finished seventh last year. They'll probably finish between five and seven. Washington made the playoffs last season. I don't believe they'll make the playoffs this season. I believe... Bradley Beal will find a way to force himself out of there. Uh, I don't see a lot of improvement out of the Pacers. I don't see a lot of improvement out of the Hornets. don't see a lot of improvement out of the Raptors. I don't see a lot of improvement out of the Cavaliers, and I think they're going to make Kevin Love a buyout candidate soon. I think you do have to. I think you do have to factor in the Lakers being an excellent candidate for him to join if he is bought out. I would say either Los Angeles or Portland. Uh, Orlando and Detroit. Yeah, they're going to brand out the bottom of the East. Over West. Utah won the West last year. And I think they'll finish between one and three. Uh, the Phoenix Suns could have easily won the West last year. 
they had a very quiet offseason in which they didn't really add a whole lot, but they added JaVale McGee, and I think JaVale is going to be a really great addition to that team. They do have some drama going into the season in that they didn't offer DeAndre Ayton a rookie extension, and he seems to be upset about that. And so it remains to be seen exactly if that will cause any tension with the Suns. Denver will probably finish between two and four. The Clippers, you don't know how long the Clippers are going to be without Kawhi Leonard with a partially torn ACL. It wouldn't surprise me at all if Kawhi Leonard doesn't play at all this season. And with the Clippers being forced to rely solely on Paul George, and who knows, you may end up seeing a Paul George for Ben Simmons trade in Philadelphia. I think the Clippers are going to end up finish between between five and eight. The Mavericks, I'm looking to have a really great season. Uh, I didn't expect a lot of the Mavericks last year. They finished with a five seed. They finished 42 and 30. Uh, so they had a really great season. Um, my prediction is that Luka Doncic is going to be the MVP of this season. They'll finish between uh, between one and three. Portland finished at six last year. They seem to be behind the drama of, uh, or past the drama of whether or not Dame will ask for a trade. I think he's impossible to trade. He's certainly not going to get traded for Ben Simmons or Kyrie Irving. And so, you know, the Blazers kind of are what they are. I think they'll sort of stay between that, that five and seven range that they stayed at. Our Los Angeles Lakers. Finished at seven last year. Wasn't their fault. Had a lot of injuries. Dennis Schroeder wasn't a good fit. Kyle Kuzma, square peg in a round hole. I'll be real with my prediction here. This team is built for the playoffs. I don't believe they have any aspirations to win the West in the regular season. Doesn't seem like it's worth the effort. But at the same time, you don't want to be, be in a position that you were in last year being forced to play the play-in game and maybe not even make the thing at all. I'll put the Lakers between 2 and 4. 4 seed, they'll get home they'll get home, home seed advantage for one playoff round. But I don't I don't see them placing a lot of value on the regular season. Golden State. Clay Thompson's back. Steph Curry had an amazing season last season. They've got some exciting new rookies. In in Mosey Moody, Moody Moses. Mosey Moody. <laughs> Um, and Kaminga, they'll definitely move up. They had some injuries last year. Obviously, Clay didn't play at all last season. Uh, they they might finish between three and five. Memphis at some point, John Morant is gonna is gonna elevate his game, and they finished nine last year. Ended up making it in the playoffs because they beat the Spurs, and. Yeah, I believe they beat the Spurs and they beat the Warriors. I mean, they'll finish between that 6 and 8 range. They'll move up. The Spurs, 
I think, sadly, their time of domination is done. Didn't make the playoffs last year. Don't think they're going to make the playoffs this year. They're one of the long-shot candidates to trade for Ben Simmons, and I think they, I think it would be a good fit for him. He would hate it in San Antonio. I, I know for sure. <laughs> uh, New Orleans, Zion thing is not going to work. Zion might be the first rookie to ever turn down the the max rookie extension. New Orleans will offer it to him, and no 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 one has ever turned down the rookie max extension. Which can be as much as two hundred million dollars. No rookie has ever turned that down. I believe Zion might be the first, because I don't believe he likes it there in New Orleans. He made very clear his desire to go play for the Knicks before he was drafted. I think he's New York bound as soon as he can go. Sacramento, they are going to be what they are. I don't feel like they improved themselves very much this year. If they can't find a trade candidate for but for Buddy Hield, he may end up being one of the best buyouts in league history if they buy him out, um, because he's dude shoots forty four percent from three. He's going to be amazing for someone. And I wouldn't even necessarily put the Lakers at the top of the list to to sign him if he were bought out, because I don't think he liked the way the Russell the Russell Westbrook trade went down. Minnesota Timberwolves, I mean, they'll move up slightly, but they're not going to be a playoff team. They're certainly not going to be better than any of the teams that, that will make the playoffs. Same for the Thunder. They're still rebuilding. Same for the Rockets. The Rockets are going to trade John Wall. Where they trade him to, nobody knows. I don't think it'll make much of an impact wherever he is traded to. And that's going to do it for me on this solo edition of the Hoop All Lakers podcast. Uh, I really hope you enjoyed me rambling on about the Lakers roster and their preseason highlights and my predictions for the rest of the league come playoff time. I cannot wait for the season. I do believe it's championship or bust, but I mean, on a personal level, me being a LeBron James fan, he's on pace to pass Kareem in the all-time scoring record this season. I don't think he'll do it this season. He'll definitely do it next season if he's healthy. But... Look forward to talking to you guys again. Look for, look forward to recording with Ethan again. Follow me on Twitter at jcdeleon1. You can follow the show on Twitter at HoopBallLakers. Follow all the HoopBall accounts. There's a ton of them. Join the Discord. Sign up for all the membership things that we offer. It's going to be a great season. Talk to you guys soon. We're out. This has been a Hoop Bowl presentation. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.